Hey everybody, just wanted to give you the heads up that this will be the first episode we've released out of order from when it was recorded. So if there are references made that you don't understand or segments we've done that you're not familiar with, that's what's going on here. Now the reason we've done it is actually pretty cool. There is a pitch in this episode that shares the exact same title and premise with a real movie set to be released. The coolest thing about that is we actually recorded this episode before that movie was announced, and basically we just wanted to brag about that as soon as we possibly could. To that end, I will also be providing photographic evidence on our Instagram. Now, I understand that there are some cynics out there that are probably saying, well, that movie was well into development before you recorded this episode. What I say is, sorry Hollywood, scooped ya. Continuing completed classics, fulfilling failed franchises, reinvigorating reviled rehashes, it's the follow-up showdown with Paul Gitz, Travis McMaster, and Lauren Pacorni. Hello and welcome to the follow-up showdown to Nerds in Quarantine, where we give worthy second chapters to stories that don't have them. I am your host who played Sonny once in a YMCA summer camp production, Paul Getz, and with me today are my co-hosts, so by default my duty and putsy, Travis McMaster and Lauren Picorni. Hey guys, what's hey the word? Yeah. Well, I was sort of hoping the word would be Rizzo, not duty, but I'll take it. <laughs> Hey, yeah, you know what? I do think of you more as the duty and Lauren more as the putsy. And putsy, this this go around, I realize is like my favorite T bird. So, congratulations, Lauren. Thank and I, you. I actually, I actually have a duty story, so that works out. We all Neat. have duty stories, Travis. It's quarantine. <laughs> Uh, if this is your first time joining us, the way it works is we take a movie with either no sequel or a sequel that quote-unquote bites the weenie, and each spin our wheels in an attempt to come up with a better one. And on the best of summer days, we do this with the help of our guests, who today are near and dear friends to all of our hearts. He is an avid Grease hater, while she is a self-proclaimed Grease 2 defender, Tony Interdonato and Chris Newell. Hi, buddies. Hello. Hi. Thank hey. you for having us. Yeah, I'm super excited about this. Yeah, we're happy to have you. And if somehow you haven't figured out uh, yet, the movie we're talking about today is 1982's Grease 2. All right, so, uh, you know, we're probably going to have a lot to talk about. We've got a lot of people here, so let's get right into our two Travis McMaster minutes. Two Travis McMaster minutes. Travis, break down everything that happens in Greece and Greece 2 within two minutes. Let me know when you're ready. Uh, as I'll ever be, Coach. And go. So Greece opens with Sandy and Danny on a beach, having just concluded their summer romance. And um, then we kick into a wonderful, dedicated, animated intro, which not enough movies have. Um, the the plot of the, the following, just Greece is pretty easy. Um, Danny shows up at school and he's like a tough rockin' T-bird. And then Sandy shows up at the school as well as a preppy Sandy. And she falls in with the pink ladies who are like the T-bird tough girls. Girls. 
Um, neither of them know that they are at the school now, and Danny has sort of pretended to be a nice boy over the summer, and he's got a rep to protect. So Rizzo, uh, being Rizzo, introduces the two of them publicly and just watches everything fall apart as Danny tries to be a high school boy and Sandy tries to be a high school girl and everyone's feelings get hurt. And there are a lot of lovely songs along the way. Um, and then I think they all die or something. Um, and then in <laughs> two, uh, it's a similar sort of plot, uh, except instead of Sandy, we have Sandy's cousin has shown up for some reason. Um, and uh, <laughs> the new the new T-Bird main is uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, who's a pink lady, but she's tough. Um, and then the Sandy new character, it's Sandy's cousin. He wants to woo Michelle Pfeiffer and Michelle Pfeiffer, if you've ever seen a Michelle Pfeiffer movie is not so easily wooed. And he spends the entire picture building himself up to be a badass for her while she falls for his soft, gentle side. Uh, then at the end of the movie, she realizes she can have her cake and fuck it too. And then everybody <laughs> has to go up. The end. Okay. Um, yeah, not bad. You had 30 seconds left. Really think. <laughs> You could have just given the ending of Grace, which is that they both uh, essentially change for each other. Uh, Danny changes for Sandy, and then Sandy surprisingly takes a turn where she uh, uh, changes even more so, I guess, for him. And then we'll get to that. I have a lot of thoughts about that, as everyone does, I'm sure. Well, also, there's a drag race in there involving. Oh, God, the drag race. Yeah. Car that shoots flames and knife wheels. Good notes, Paul. Yeah. Good enough on my favorite. <laughs> now, Chris, being a Grease 2 fan, how did you feel about the way that was uh, that was broken down? I'm trying to think of what what else I would add. I mean, everything I would add is more like... Well, he had 30 seconds left for a luau. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess we could have added more information about the whole uh, who's that guy, secret identity bullshit mm. that goes throughout the mm-hmm. movie okay well uh, all right so before we get too deep into grease 2 talk which i am very excited for so i'm gonna try to like get there as quickly as possible uh let's talk a little bit about grease uh the 1978 uh highest grossing musical of all time Ooh, wow. Uh, wow it has currently made that lame is. uh <laughs> well number two is chicago actually mm. Hell yeah. um, movie, movie music. I should have said. It. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, that's right. Coming in hot. Thank you, Tony. Usually we we rely on Lauren for those puns, but we got a dynamite <laughs> cast here today. So I have the writers and actors notes and and stuff like that. Um, I have also a bunch of fun facts, but again, I'm going to try to push forward a little bit faster. But the the only thing I'm going to say for now is that the director of this movie, Randall Kleiser, he is most well known other than Grease for directing Blue Lagoon, a movie which I all I know about it is Brooke Shields is naked in a waterfall. It's a no, it's a really good movie. But yeah, it's I that was also a movie that I watched a lot as a kid. (laughs) They're kissing in a waterfall, right? Yeah, movie. no, I mean, there's definitely, and they're also cousins, so there's that. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, sounds like maybe we should do for the podcast, uh, maybe. But the other two well-known movies that he has directed, uh, we should definitely do for the podcast because they are bad sequels. Honey, I Blew Up the Kid oh. and Big Top Peewee. Uh, I don't know if we bad sequels. Like, certainly lesser than the originals, but Big Top Pee Wee and Honey I Blew Up the Kid were uh, staples in the McMaster household in the nineties. Well, and yet you admit that they're lesser than. 
So, yeah. There's room between bad and good for lesser than. Especially for you. I'm coming to Paul. (laughs) (laughs) That was more backhanded than Paul meant. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We're all friends and this is working out great. Okay, so then, yeah, let's just talk about our feelings on Greece and this, you know, growing up and, and this go around and, and all that kind of thing. Um, I thought I was more familiar with this movie, but it started and I recognized nothing. I did not remember Sandy was an Aussie. I did not remember the animated sequence. Uh, it turns out I only remembered a handful of the numbers. Um, wow. And that's it. So. Uh, I posit that the animated sequence is the best part of the whole movie. <laughs> it was originally going to be the entire movie. You do know this fun fact then, Travis, and just to clarify so anyone knows what he's talking about, Ralph Bakshi? Is that Ralph how you pronounce Bakshi, it? Ralph Bakshi, yeah. Fire and Ice. Yes, yeah. It's the cat. Yes, oh, yeah. he originally attempted to buy the rights for Grease um, to do a full-length animated musical, um, but when his writing partnership fell apart, uh, he gave up the rights and wound up making Lord of the Rings instead. Huh. Crazy. Nice. Win-win. And then about that opening animated sequence, the song in it, Grease, written by Barry Gibbs of the Bee Gees, performed by Frankie Valli, not from the original musical that the movie is based on, and was hated by the director, but was a uh, pop hit in its own right when it came out. That's the only song I still like and can listen to. So uh, as you introduced me on uh, the beginning of the podcast, yes, I'm a Grease hater. I grew to hate it uh, because I've watched it probably more than 100 times involuntarily. Uh, I was mm. telling Chris this is not hyperbolic at all, that like any time it was on television or like television cable or HBO or wherever it was on TV in the 90s, my mom would watch it. And I mean, from any point as well. It's not like, oh, we missed the beginning. Like if like Grease was on, that's what we were watching. So I grew to hate it in a really, really deep way. Huh. Man. Interesting. That okay. makes a lot of sense. That makes, I mean, why you, why you would hate it that much. I right. would hate it because too. I like, we watched Grease 2 in preparation for this. And just like, as a musical, the music is better in Grease than in Grease 2. I would yes. say, I don't know if I'm opening yeah. a box of, uh, no, you're, you're, you're right. You're right. Correct. I, I, I was submerged in the Grease for so long. <laughs> That it sucks <laughs> into my, my brain and heart and lungs, and I just can't. I can't. I watched it uh, on a VHS copy a million times with my sister, without my sister growing up. Uh, definitely remember it being one of those early movies where uh, I had seen it a number of times before I started realizing the things in it that were icky and, um, mm-hmm. you know, like it was one of those, like, uh, made me grow up a little bit faster movies. Because of Rizzo's um, dress. <laughs> okay that she yeah she looks great she looks great um yeah, yeah. and and in this rewatch for this podcast i have now revitalized my love for the film i never i never stopped liking the music though the music of greece is like it versus greece 2 where there are some songs that i like greece has songs in it that are like uh life songs songs that i will hear forever and i won't mind whereas greece 2 i have to watch to hear any of those songs <laughs> While we're still on Greece, I did want to ask, best songs, worst songs for everybody? Uh, the only think? one I can still listen to is uh, the title track, Greece, uh, because Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons was the first live concert I ever saw as a child. So I still like Ooh. that. I will say, 
the, all the songs in the Grease musical, for better or worse, they are classics. I will mm-hmm. not listen to them again without grinding my teeth. So what's the worst for you? Um, it's got to be worse things I could do, right? Ah, man, oh, I don't know. Really? I'm super creeped out by when they say the chicks will cream and grease lightning. That's a oh, little, yeah. that's like past the line for me now. Of like, okay. no, no. So let's say grease lightning. I want to fuck my okay. car. <laughs> I remember watching them do a grease lightning parody on Home Improvement and change like all of the lyrics, you know, because they had to make it ABC. But it was like a, it's a real dragon wagon, was the, was the line <laughs> that they used. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Okay, so Chris, best song, worst song. Yeah, okay, so uh, best song is the song that's they're doing uh, during the sleepover. Oh, look at Sandra me. Sandra D. Yeah, yeah. See, Sandra D is yeah. the best, and then it's immediately followed by the worst, which is Hopelessly Devoted. Oh, 100% worst uh, song in the whole movie. <laughs> a, a song written for the movie filmed after the rest of the movie in order to give Olivia Newton-John a an extra ballad. It's so boring. And it's so boring. It, it also really slows the pace of the movie at that point. Absolutely. That would be what I would say about it. Um, um, also, that song was nominated for an Oscar. Oh. From Greece. The, only, the only song from Greece nominated for an Oscar. Awful. Hmm. Okay. I think I have to be sort of basic and say that, like, one that I want is, like, just... Just a good song, like, out of any context, you know? Like, it just stands alone. It's really catchy. It's the one I'm most familiar with, I'd say. Um, also so written probably... for the movie. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, least favorite? Like, perhaps worst things I, sh- I could do. Don't Sorry, look at Rizzo. me when you say that to me. <laughs> her performance, to me, makes that invaluable. I could watch her walk slowly and just have a lot of FaceTime forever. So heartbreaking. I feel like I like that that song because there's a lot of character development in it that you don't really see in a lot of the other songs in the show. It's just like, oh, sure. you're you're learning a lot about her in this song. You know, my worst song is hands down going to be Alone at the Drive-In. Um, Sandy oh, yeah. is the name of that song. Sandy, yeah. you're right. Yeah, so that song sucked because he was being a dick and then he sang a song about how sad he is to himself. <laughs> um, yeah. my, my buddy Zach pointed out that he sings that he's stranded at the drive-in, but he drove himself there. <laughs> Emotionally, he's it. stranded there. I guess. Well, he needed a swing. <laughs> I do like the, the suggestive, you know, hot dog jumping into the bun as he's thinking about <laughs> Sandy Lee. I don't know if that was intentional or not. Uh, it's a pretty horny movie, so I assume so. Yeah. I tell you what, um, in movie, general yeah. with this movie, it was one thing where I was like, in getting prepared for this uh, rewatch, I was ready to sort of like look at, uh, like just sort of defend it to myself as this sort of movie that is about uh, adolescent cruelty and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But really, it's about how Danny Zuko is just a piece of crap whose friends... Part. Yeah, like he, he's got some chucklehead friends who might give him some shit, but they're idiots who he could tell to shut up at any point he wants. And his best friend, Kaniki, is super supportive of him. So it's like he's just a dick for no reason until the very end. And so, I mean, I guess that is his journey. I was definitely crap in high school. So when I watch Grease and everyone's being garbage, I'm like, yeah, they're 17. This is yeah, and I like garbage and figure out where those boundaries are. 
Well, and what I liked about it on this rewatch is they are varying degrees of garbage. They're all at different stages of being garbage. You have uh, different stages of garbage. You got like the rotting fish heads and you have like half a hot dog that somebody didn't finish. I mean, yeah. there are some really sweet ones in there too. Oh, Frenchie. Yeah, I mean, I love Putsy. What a great guy. Uh, so Travis, sorry, uh, favorite song. Oh, I actually really thought we might, I might have, everyone might have gotten distracted enough. I could have skated by without having to admit that it's uh, hopelessly devoted for you. I've got, like, two, I've got like two versions of that already in my Spotify like oh folder. Like, I just, I don't even like romance that much. I don't have a lot of love ballads, but I don't know, maybe it's because like I grew that, up. With... You like that twangy, that like a, a twangy guitar sound. I do. That gets you, I'm that from gets Kansas, you. man. She bats it I'll out it. too. Yeah. She's so she's sad great. and earnest. And she puts well, her little paper in the pool. She's so outstandingly good as a singer that I feel like John Travolta's uh, method for keeping up is to make his voice do really unnecessarily weird things <laughs> with every things but, uh, you know yeah. look, if you're saying he he delivers a delightful and varied performance song wise to, to sort of counter olivia newton's john like expert like yeah he definitely gives us a varied performance it's a wonderful wonderful movie good point <laughs> sure i mean both things i mean i can mean both things my favorite my favorite song and i'm glad to say it's one that nobody said is summer days summer nights yeah um, that's the one i probably like to sing along with the most it's very it's, i was gonna say it's very very hard to pick both a worst and a best song for for me at least uh because there's really only one song that i don't like and every other song i would get so excited for the second it started no matter what setting i was in um sorry yeah. tony sorry we're gonna get through this and then it'll <laughs> yeah I, I don't have, let me just say the two things i have to say about greece um one is that i think the movie parts between the songs every time i watch it i am surprised at how funny it is mm -hmm. i always forget how much greece makes me laugh um, and two, just to throw my duty story out there, because I don't see how I'm going to transition smoothly into it. Um, I think it's on the special features for Greece. Um, John Travolta talks about being in the play Greece before he was in the movie, but he didn't play Danny. He played duty. But in the special features, because John Travolta seems to be a pretty kind of Scientology aside, swell, you know, happy dude. The way he phrases it is, I got to play duty in the play. And then when they cast me in the movie, I got to play Danny. He didn't look at duty as like a small punishment role on the way to, to Danny. You know, he was just very excited to be a part of it at all. And I just think that's a really nice thing. And I think about that every time I watch Grease. Well, that's interesting to hear because uh, Jeff Conaway, Kanicki, who yep. played Danny on Broadway, yep. there was he is supposed to sing Grease Lightning. But John Travolta pushed to take the song himself. Uh, the director wouldn't agree to it until Jeff Conaway agreed, and it took a while to wear him down, but Jeff Conaway eventually agreed. And apparently John Travolta did so because he wanted to match how many songs uh, Sandy had. Mm. Well, that, that undercuts my story pretty... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to my case. I would say in general, watching this movie, I found that while Olivia Newton-John sells so completely how in love with him she is, when they're together, you just watch John Travolta loving himself. And it works because Danny is that type of guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I feel like what he sells more than anything is, I'm dancing, I look good. And <laughs> man, I gotta That's say. Right, <laughs> yeah. Kanicki, clearly the coolest T-bird, I feel yeah. that is clear. Danny might be 
in matching him a little bit more closely if he didn't do that ridiculous walk. Do you know what I'm talking about? The no. Danny walk where he's like the oh, almost yeah. like snapping. It's cool. And then, like he's got a cane that's not there. Well, yeah, this is from the movie was made what in the seventies? So he's doing like a modified yeah. pimp walk. Yeah. Eighteen yeah. years See, earlier. Cool. Uh do we know when was Saturday uh night fever? This was uh, the, the reason the Grease song was included in this movie was sort of as a way of packaging it alongside Saturday Night Fever uh, as sort of like a Travolta double header because he had just come off of Saturday Night Fever. Got it. So he's I guess. Yeah, maybe they made him do that walk. I doubt it, but maybe so let's move right on into Grease 2. OK, so whose least favorite song was Sandy? Travis's, right? Mine. Yes. So the only songwriter brought from Greece to Greece 2 is the writer of that song exclusively, Louis mm. St. Louis. Oh, oh come on. Um, Great man. Uh, <laughs> and he, for Greece 2, he wrote the songs Back to School Again, Good. Who's That Guy, and Love Will Turn Back the Hand of, Hands of Time. Uh, yeah, which is also the oh. worst song of Greece 2. <laughs> I, for me, I, that is second worst song to me. The worst song to me is the one that uh, Michael sings on his own. Uh, also terrible. Yeah. I'm going to backtrack for just a second here, just to point out that Travis's favorite song and least favorite song are the one where Sandy is, uh, the one where Danny's singing about Sandy and then the one where Sandy is singing about Danny. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I am going to get a therapist and bring that up with her. <laughs> Um, okay, so then, yeah, let's let's start there. Grease two best song, worst song. Um, I well, I, reproduction is one hundred percent the best song. Uh, it is the most well known song. It is the most mm. educational mm. song. In in fact, it might be one of the most educational songs in all of musical history. <laughs> this is a perfect way for me to bring this up. The man who wrote that song, as well as Cool Rider, which I would say two of the best songs yes, in the movie. Yes, agreed. Dennis Linde, Lindy, I don't know how to say it, also wrote Elvis's Burn in Love mm-hmm. and the Dixie Chicks' Goodbye Earl. I love yeah. Goodbye Earl. Nice. That's a fantastic yeah. song. So that guy rules. Yeah, I, yeah <laughs> I'm happy with learning yeah. that fact. <laughs> A worst song is not jumping out at me, probably because I just ignored it. Um, mm. So I'll say the one Chris said was bad. Um, <laughs> okay, it is. It I is. Agree. It's horrible. Yeah, I mean, yeah. She, she's, I trust yes. her. Yeah. Uh, she's the, uh, to authority. The, like, Disney hallucination song. Yes. <laughs> that pulls you mm. completely oh, out of oh, what's going oh, on. Thank you. Yes, I the do. Heaven remember. Song or the Heaven yeah. Song, the motorcycle song. Oh, yeah. That's when I made my Xanadu joke. Yes, I love that scene and that song. Sorry. That scene is bizarre because Stephanie, the Michelle Pfeiffer character, breaks the musical fourth wall. <laughs> yes. By singing to no one by herself and singing a song in front of a crowd during a talent show and wins the talent show with that song that is for no yeah, one. She has a psychotic is... break in public where she just stops performing yeah. and just, it's so funny how, you know, like in a musical, you suspend disbelief that they are singing, but that's normal or people don't notice it. But this is when they were performing in front of a group of people and she just has a complete mental yeah. break falls to her knees and stares off. I guess starts singing to herself and the band is just like, uh, I don't know, keep, keep playing. Keep oh, playing, she's singing. 
Also, her eyes are unfocused. Also, that song is a duet. So in theory, you're you're not hearing half of the song. Also, Frenchie it's a little hard. is weirdly relegated to being like Jiminy Cricket for him. Like nobody else really <laughs> sees her, interacts with her. They're not like, whoa, she was a pink lady. Cool. It's like, no. Hmm. Well, and she, okay. Boy, I could talk about just Frenchie. In okay, this I'm sorry. I, I, I took this off track. We're still doing best and worst uh, songs. Oh, okay. Oh, I find myself just drawn to Cool Rider. And I swear yeah. most of it, not most of it, but a good half of it has to be Michelle Pfeiffer bopping oh, along at the end yes, to herself yeah. like funny yeah. off and she's just like to herself like fuck that guy and, I'm gonna it, sing and at that point she's up. spelling the words yes i also uh-huh. uh, so. you can hear it going on very faintly for the rest of that scene <laughs> oh the song's going on very faintly the fact that every after singing who's that guy he, the motor, uh, the m- disguised Michael and Stephanie are left alone out in the parking lot, and you can faintly hear everybody still inside the bowling alley still singing the song. Oh so they're God. still saying to each other, Who was that guy? <laughs> <laughs> Remember that guy? Like, oh, oh man. That's, you know what? Now that we're on Greece, too, this is, this is something that I wanted to say, um, that I found so charming about it is it really feels like a play about Rydell High that the cast of the first movie is putting on for themselves. Yeah, no. Does that make sense? I I actually uh, referred to it to Tony the other day as essentially like a fan film. Like it's, if Mm -hmm. you would have created a a fan film, I think this is what you would have created. Yeah. That feels right, Mm -hmm. yeah. The bizarre nature of the talent show and how it is essentially the main i mean aside from the stephanie michael stuff the main plot Mm -hmm. is everyone is investing in this talent show why is never really explained yeah except for the goose vaguely wants some records that he doesn't get also if we're gonna be uh comparing the like lead cool person in each movie michelle pfeiffer as stephanie Kills it over Danny Zuko every Can't, every yeah. time. She is so the cool. Yeah, she is the epitome yeah. of cool. Like I. Yeah. And the pink ladies in general are cooler in two overall oh, than the T bird. Than the T bird. Oh, absolutely. So lame and one hundred percent. Absolutely. They're, yeah, and these two, the T birds have turned into the Apple Dumpling Gang. They're such they're <laughs> wow. dweebs. Yeah, they're like the the, yeah, they're the cool dweeby cool. guys pretending or acting like what they think well, cool but, guys are. But in the first Greece, isn't the only cool T bird Kaniki? Danny is considered cool for sure. I'm, that's not what I asked. Ah. <laughs> yeah, argue. I would say the only cool people in Greece are uh, Kaniki and Rizzo. In the mm. first Greece. Well, and Frenchie. Frenchie. Being nice is cool, Ooh, Paul. Cool. Being nice. Yeah, Frenchie's cool. lovable. She's not cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because I would also say Jan sorry. is lovable and Marty, but I, not I cool. Like Marty. Marty's not cool. I think Marty's cool. Yeah, like Marty's Marty. pretty cool. I, I think my least favorite was Charades. Because oh, yeah, Michael's song. He was singing that. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, not, you nothing really has called for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this seems like a good time to bring this up. As far as Michael is concerned, that actor, Maxwell Caulfield. Rex Manning. Um, he, yes, Rex Manning from Empire Records. Fantastic. 
role. He blames Grease 2 for the fact that his career never His erectile dysfunction, his bankruptcies. He he said he was hailed to be the next Richard Gere or John Travolta, <laughs> um, and then grief his career. However, um, hailed by who? His it mom? Is off- the loss of his career after Reese 2 is in a large part blamed on a New York Times article that came out at the time called The Next Overnight Sensation, uh... which was an interview with him in which he is quoted as saying, if the movie is marketed right this time next year, everyone will want to look like Maxwell Caulfield. Let's just call him Poochie from <laughs> yeah. now on. He's Poochie now because that's what happened. He is very handsome. Also, He's effectively yes. handsome. That's, I'll give him that. Career? Like, how old was he? Like 25? Did he even have a career yet? Well, this was what was supposed to launch it. Yeah. Okay, well, that doesn't, that, doesn't, that doesn't sound like ruining it. sounds like his career just didn't take but, off. Can I just say... Compared to Michelle if, Pfeiffer, who, whose career exactly. it did launch, like, she didn't have a career yeah, before Yeah, she became a movie star because of that. Yeah, yeah so, like, compared to her, her just talent, you know, like, And yeah. John Travolta has notoriously come back from that, like, two or three times. Mm-hmm. He has a weird career now. Yeah, I mean, he... I think it's... A lot of it is his, having a weird face <laughs> and head... I mean, and, and I love Travolta. I'm a real Travolta. I, like, I haven't seen all of his movies, uh, but I would be hard-pressed to refuse to watch any John Travolta movie just because I'm so fascinated by his choices. My favorite song is definitely either Cool Rider or Reproduction. Gotta be. However, the, the I'm going to mention two songs not mentioned yet just because they I think they deserve mentions. I quite like Prowlin'. Me too. Um, that was my second pick. And one thing that I enjoyed that was so bizarre about it is when they start singing it, it's prefaced by Johnny saying, we need to get some guaranteed uh, all night loving or whatever he says. Then they start singing the song and it took me halfway through the song to understand what they were talking about because I was like, well, does that mean they're going to go get prostitutes? Uh, And then it turns out that the song is about them going to hit on checkout girls at a grocery store (laughs) Yeah. So I guess it just means older women or just check well, out yeah, the, girls, I mean, the idiom of on the prowl. But then the reveal is that they're rehearsing their act for the talent show. And so I was like, so is what they did that night go somewhere and just practice? The last two comments I feel leads into uh, a nice theory Tony and I came up with the other night while we were rewatching this, which is that Johnny is gay and he hasn't come to terms with it yet. Yeah, that sounds right. Because yeah. uh, he made his gang uh, wear pink jeans. Yeah, he, they told he they, wants to be the pink ladies. <laughs> he does want to be the pink ladies. Who doesn't? When Paulette has it all, and he just doesn't seem affected not at by all it interested whatsoever. in the entire movie. They're talking about trying yeah. to get laid, and he he fails yeah. at trying to get laid. It's true, and this was yeah. our theory too about why uh, he and Stephanie are not together at the very beginning is because they went to inspiration point or whatever, and well, the magic just didn't happen. Well, and she uh, says there's got to be more to life than making out, which probably means he just wouldn't take it any further. Yep, could mean. Mm-hmm. Yep. Would, yeah, that's a good theory. <laughs> the only the only other song uh, I thought deserved to mention was the Rockahula song. Very good. Um, which I like quite a bit. However, it falls into the same category as the Gotta Go Back to School song from the beginning and the bowling song, 
uh, in which this is what is happening yep. currently. Yeah. Bowling now. <laughs> well, and now. If I could just, I would say that the songs in Greece too are "This is what's happening now," but secretly it's about fun. yeah, right. This is Greece too is a horny musical. Yeah, score tonight. Yeah, it is. Yeah. They're, they're you at have least to... a third or a quarter of the songs are all very sexual euphemism. Outstanding. Yes. Well, the first one's pretty horny too. Not as horny, I will say. Right. That's that but... should speak to how horny Greece yeah, too is. That we true. need to make that distinction against Greece. That's true. That's true. <laughs> the wiggliest musical in Chicago. <laughs> okay. So then, uh, you know, factoids I have about Greece too that uh, that might be interesting. It was written by a man named Ken Finkelman. Perfect name for the writer of Grease 2. Mm-hmm. And I think we might do him, potentially do him on the show again because he also wrote Airplane 2, the sequel. Yes. Oh. And he was writing um, both movies at the same time, which is why Grease 2 is so silly. It was not a finished script when they started production, which is a, a part of the reason that Frenchie is in it and then not in it, because she was in the draft that they started with and then halfway through they decided to drop her <laughs> And they let her know, but then they kept the scenes they'd already shot. <laughs> Weird. Yes. And I love how vaguely Frenchie, well, her reason for being there makes no sense. And I love that when she gives her reason for being there, the character Michael says, makes sense. <laughs> yes. So, they had to confirm it or it wouldn't be real. I won't question it. <laughs> Michael asks her about Stephanie and she says, Stephanie, she's one of my dearest and then doesn't finish her sentence. And I assume she was going to say dearest friends or closest friends, but it's like they speak. And then there is a scene that they're in together, but doesn't read as dearest closest friends. I'd forgotten about that, but it did stick out to me at the time. (laughs) Yeah, really weird. So it was directed by Patricia Birch, who was the main choreographer of Greece. This was her first directorial effort and her only directorial effort oh she did music videos and stuff but never never a movie again after this Ah, sad and then in terms of where uh things went from there with the release of this movie it was planned to become a four movies there were plans to make a grease three and a grease four uh but when this one tanked those plans went uh, by the wayside, and Disney ended up adapting the unused script for the third movie into High School Musical. Wow. Wow. Oh. Guys, I mean, wow. I wonder to what degree they adapted it. Probably a pretty large degree. But yeah, pretty interesting. Michelle Pfeiffer did all her own stunts, so her transitioning on the motorcycle and all that, that was her. Wow. That was nice. I gotta go buy another ladder real quick. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, my other fun fact, oh, the twin cheerleader girls. Yeah. They, Wayne and Liz Seagal, they were each hired by separate casting directors for separate auditions. One of them as an extra, one of them as a cheerleader. And then when it was discovered that they were twin sisters, both working on the same film, they created the twin sisters. That's hilarious. I love that story. Is this a good uh, lead-in to talk about how uh, the one teacher is a secret eugenicist or eugenicist because she says those yes, are my so girls up there that's some good breeding yeah and then later when she says those are my boys yeah. she's like good clean-cut american boy like she's she's a eugenicist like is she the biology teacher too yeah. what teacher is she is she just the... yeah. she's not by biology okay okay but i mean yeah that Remember. teacher she's clearly real concerned with, with my... breeding 
My thinking on I, that and her was that if it was 1962 and given her general age, I was like, what was she doing 20 years ago that she's so concerned with breeding and stuff? Yikes. You know what I mean? Which she comes into the classroom with the substitute and the whole classroom goes nuts singing that song. There are two yeah. teachers in that classroom. The whole song I was singing, control your class. <laughs> like, do something because it only gets worse and worse. That whole um, song, I was thinking, did Michelle Pfeiffer not want to be on set? Because she's only in, like, a couple of shots, and you don't see her really in the wides. Yeah. Um, and I was uh, noticing and curious about that. I uh, think that is just to show well, her character did. is, you know, occupied mentally elsewhere. She's definitely over what's going on in school and can only think about the masked writer. <laughs> yeah, I'll buy that. Mm -hmm. Any more thoughts on Grease 2 before we move into the um, pitches? Yeah, my, my only thought on Grease 2 is the, one of the reasons that I love it so much is that I feel like it's essentially a spoof of the first movie. And mm. that exists so infrequently in cinema history of a sequel essentially spoofing the original that I, I love its existence purely for that reason alone. Okay, yeah, I mean, the only other thing I feel like maybe we worth mentioning about Grease 2 is uh, uh, how Eugene shouldn't be in it, because uh, it makes no sense. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, but Two years later, so he could have been a sophomore and now be a senior, but yeah, it's not necessary. Also, I mean, Leo Balmuto is also another character who jumps over. He is, he's the leader of both yeah. the fighter face. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Edward he's, James almost in, well, Yeah, in the but, first, he's the leader of the oh. Scorpions, and in the second, he's the leader of, oh, I can't remember the name of their, like, biker gang, but they they have an official name. The Cyclone. Well, but that he is was already true. like 40 in the first one anyway, so that's <laughs> fine. He he hasn't been established with going to that school. He just hangs out. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it, that read to me as a an escalation of his character's psychosis, where he's moved on to motorcycles and he's still terrorizing uh, teenagers, <laughs> which works yeah, for me well enough in terms of how, how batshit the rest of the movies is anyway. But yeah. Cool, cool. Um, well, right before we start rolling into the pitches, I do have to do something uh, because of how much she loves yes. this movie and couldn't be bothered to be on the podcast, but does want to share her two cents. I had to create a segment for my girlfriend, Kim. Kim's opinion. Kim's opinion. It's the one that really counts. Kim's opinion. So much better than anything Polar Travis says. Oh, I think I'm gonna throw up. Here's Kim's opinion now. Yeah, walk over? Yeah, you can walk over. Uh, yeah, Grease 2 is obviously a near-flawless movie. Um, there's no need to even have this episode discussing other Thank sequels. you! I think Thank you! Still need me? <laughs> no, that's it? Okay. Thank All you. Alright, cool. Enjoy, you guys probably uh, can wrap it up. Okay. Alright, sure. yeah. That's what it's all about. Alright, guys. Alright, so then let's uh, roll into the pitches by starting with the questions that I always ask. Should this movie, Grease, have a sequel? No. 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 Probably not. Yeah, I'm gonna say no. So then, uh, next question. If you're, if, as we are, ha you have to do a sequel, 
Should it be a prequel or a sequel? Um, well, I'm going to say prequel because that's what my pitch is based <laughs> on. I say I would say sequel if you're gonna go. If you're gonna go one. Yeah, I'm gonna go sequel too, just because I don't know. Can do time jumps, <laughs> more than two years. Yeah, I yeah. feel. I feel like yeah. a prequel. Then you're just getting into like earlier in the '50s stuff, and that's just like most post-war. And the whole the whole idea of it is, you know, the Romeo and Juliet on a twist type of situation. But like, it, there, so much of it is like the greaser identity that if you go much earlier, you get away from that. You'd have to make it like the the beatniks or something. God, I'm so glad Chris mm. is on this episode. That's a good point. That's so good. And I'm so excited now about Chris's accidental pitch, Beatnik <laughs> Grease. That sounds amazing. Isn't it just hairspray? Yeah. Um, well, I, the only thing I could think after watching these movies that I might uh, want to know about what happened uh, to any of these characters before these movies was um, where the Scorpions uh, versus Rydell uh, rivalry mm. started. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. Because it's pretty prevalent in both. You would have uh, to have like Leo Balmuto be the main character of that movie. Because <laughs> it ex- it, it's it's essentially his villain backstory. Yeah. That's- and he, you know what? I think that guy's great. I think he could have handled it. I think we there is a degree to his performing abilities that we weren't able... We're, we weren't shown. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. They, that yeah. actor is amazing, too. Uh... He was like a prof- professional dancer. I forget the movies that he else was in, but yeah, he's got a pretty good record. Before he yeah, he also died of age, which is sad. Oh, yeah. got what? No, that. Dennis, yeah, Dennis Oakland is his name, I believe. Um, all right, well then, pitch time. Uh, anybody want to go first? I'd like to go first because mine is short. And yes, I'd like to go first, please. Cool. Okay. You you've right, got it. So, Daddy, this is so exciting. Uh, very simple. Mine, as I said, is a, a prequel. Um, and imagine, if you will, Dirty Dancing meets Caddyshack. And that is the vibe I would like to tell the story of uh, Sandy and Danny's summer together before, immediately before the movie. Mm. So my idea was that Danny got a job as a waiter at a beachside resort that Sandy's family is staying at. So, you know, you see both of their separate vignettes of their journeys to that location. Um, Danny's like, you know, doing his thing, like being a sort of good waiter, kind of like lazy, just trying to be cool, trying to meet chicks. And because of shenanigans one day, um, they're like, oh, the lifeguard's sick. So go be the lifeguard, Danny. And he's like, oh, okay. Um, and he sees a drowning woman and he rescues her and that is Sandy and that's how they meet and how their romance blossoms. And then So he wasn't was- lying. I love that. Yeah. When he said he saved her life. She yeah, nearly drowned. Yeah. Oh, um, nice. So the movie would ensue, of course, with uh, numbers and just their, you know, their romance together in that summer and, of course, you know, end with them saying goodbye and maybe hinting towards something, you know, like I did. I, I, I like that a lot. I, yeah, I love that, and especially the uh, the yeah. tone suggestive of Dirty Dancing and Caddyshack. I think it fits very well. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's an excellent pitch. You you definitely. I, I was going in like, nah, there can't be a prequel, but you successfully did it. Well, thank you. Oh, and the title, you might have guessed it, 
Summer <laughs> loving. Oh yeah, that's what I was hoping for. Hell yeah. I will take 10 Absolutely. tickets right now. I will I would watch it. <laughs> okay, anybody I've got my short pitch. Listen to me. Most of this pitch is is me reverse engineering. How do I get Janelle Monet as the head yes. of the team? Oh, oh, I love it. So obviously, instead of a little like car or motorcycle, it's a little UFO. It's Greece two or three, wherever you need this on the timeline, and it's set a thousand years <laughs> in the future on Mars. Uh, the Who soundtrack would be Oh, Paul. Oh, and this heavens. is a recording. You amazing musician. Like, so, such an amazing musician. You know her if you saw her. Oh, she's, okay. she's an amazing. She is. But is she related no. to Greece at all? She's, she's just, just cool. No. She's no. a pop star. Um, she's the, the black woman with, like, the coif. Okay. Quaffed hair. Quaffed hair. So she's a. Yes, a current, currently, right now. So this is an actress. Current Okay. Yes. yes, I'm so sorry. This would be this would be like if coming out next year or last year, I guess, whenever the virus would let it have happened. Um, it's a it's a contemporary one. Uh, she yeah yeah look her up. She's in movies and stuff. You definitely know her. Um, if you want to know what this movie would probably sound like, you can just listen to Electric yes. Lady. Uh, I imagine I imagine once I get Janelle Miss Moment Monet on board with the movie, she will sort of she'll have a vision. Absolutely. That's her whole deal. So it would just be on Mars. I still would like to keep. A, a connection, and I like that in Greece too. A sandy cousin just shows up. So I'm going to say that someone gets frozen in a thing for a thousand years or whatever, and they wake up on Mars, and they're very like, you know, how Sandy is like, oh, everything's I'm pure, and it's but instead of like purity, it's like posthumanism, and Janelle Monet or whatever has to explain the future to her, but like in a fun high school setting. Uh, and I figured for that role, I would cast Kristen Stewart. And then she would be like Sandy's cousin or like the, the daughter of Sandy and Danny. I don't know how, however we want to work it. I just need this person in the future so people can explain sci-fi stuff to her through song. Maybe someone that sings. Kristen Stewart. <laughs> yeah, Save it for your pitch, buddy. I, I will say he asked me this question and he scoffed at me when yeah, I said Amanda Seyfried. You barely yeah, she can sing. Nothing against some, yeah. um, Kristen Stewart, but just it's a, it's a weird... Oh, yeah. It's a weird petard to hoist yourself upon. Behind yeah. the scenes, once I get Janelle Monet on, she will have a much better vision than I for a musical and, you know, all, all of this great stuff. I didn't know our pitches oh, could be, I want to okay. hire a brilliant musical auteur to do my pitch. <laughs> That's an exclusive to Travis thing. He does this all the time. He says, I'm going to hand it over to these people and they'll make a good I movie. I mean, that, well, um, if, honestly, that's yeah. brilliant. Like, why, why, you know, create the wheel from scratch? Just go over to the resident wheel makers. They already know what they're doing. Hire them. But, you know, it's a Grease movie, so there's going to be a high school plot and some fun stuff in the middle, and mostly what you're going to remember are the great songs. Um, and I'm just going to... Are gonna... there star-crossed lovers at all? Is that a part of it? Oh, almost certainly. Almost certainly, yes. Um, okay. But I... Janelle Monet and Kristen Stewart characters. That could be interesting. Yeah, that'd be nice. No, I feel I feel left out on this one. I, you have an uphill battle for my vote, Travis, because I don't know who uh, this person I'm is. I'm excited for your journey after this podcast. Exactly. Once you listen to our album, you're like, oh my god! She yeah, have, like these okay. big sci-fi concept pop funk albums. They're incredible. Yeah. yeah. You'll okay. be very excited about my cool. pitch like next week after you've put one of these <laughs> albums on on your drive or something to, to work with. <laughs> I, have no, I was about to say, I will send you like at least 
Don't five songs that you should listen to. But honestly, just listen to all of her albums. Oh yeah. Okay. So if you want to just sorry, I was no, no, that's fine. Just take take however long you need. We'll wait. Um, just go listen to that <laughs> intermission. <laughs> um. All right. So I guess I can go, and then we'll just have our guests uh, finish us out. I think I might bore you guys. I think I probably wrote a little too much, and I went pretty traditional. I went direct Grease sequel, but this would be modern. This would be sixty-six year old uh, John Travolta, seventy year old Olivia Newton-John. Nice. And it is called Shaving Cream. Huh. <laughs> we start with two young lovers who are hiding themselves away from the rest of an exiting summer camp. So summer's over, the campers are going home. Uh, like on buses and their parents are picking up that kind, of, that kind of thing. These lovers make their true love vows. And then finally, the girl leaves to join her, her mother who's impatiently waiting in her car, while the boy makes a short walk home to a ratty-looking shack on the same lake that the camp is on. So he didn't attend the camp, but they met there. Upon entering, his mom grills him about where he was. Uh, he kind of puts her off, but she can tell it was a girl. And then she says to herself, just like his father. Then we cut to Danny Zuko. He's in bed with a woman roughly 20 years younger than him, so about 46 to his 66. He wakes up before she does and obsessively checks his hairpiece, which is slightly askew. He quietly gets up and spends a long time fixing it as the opening theme slash credits roll. By the time he gets back into bed, it looks perfect, and the woman uh, wakes up to find him sleeping, smiles at him and says something like, It was fun, Zooks before leaving. And then he's like super self-satisfied. We move over to Sandy Olson, who meanwhile is living in an idyllic uh, life in a two-story house in the suburbs. Uh, Her adult son calls and asks if uh, she can lend them her gardening tools. We watch as she walks to the house next door where her son and his wife and their young children live. They're an extremely tight-knit group. And within this scene, there's a passive mention of Danny or dad whom the son is not enthused to talk about. Sandy goes home, sings a ballad called Oh Danny, mostly about how she worries for him. So then we see Danny, he pays a visit to his doctor who gives him trouble about his old dog ways. When Danny leaves the office, we don't hear what the doctor told him, but he seems different somehow. Uh, He goes home, calls Sandy, and asks if uh, she'll talk to their son about the whole family coming over for like a long weekend to his property. She says she'll try. Uh, We now go back. Sorry, I wrote too much. We now go back to the home of the young boy from the beginning and his mother. The boy is having trouble dealing with his heartbreak from from being away from the girl. And uh, the mom doesn't quite know how to help him. Uh, We learn that he is homeschooled and that the semester is supposed to start soon. So then the boy's mother reaches out to Danny, who knows about this son, but hasn't been a part of his life. He, more quickly than she is expecting, offers to help. Sandy, meanwhile, has some trouble convincing her son to agree to go see Danny. Here it is revealed, through a duet, that Danny's affair with that boy's mother is what broke up the marriage between Danny and Sandy, uh, and by extension, their family. So Danny cheated. Classic Danny. Oh, Danny. So then we see Danny meet his young son, and after some initial awkwardness, his son's first words to him, wow, you're old. Uh, uh, 
The two men bond and share a song sequence of Danny helping the boy to prepare him to go to school, picking out clothes for him, teaching him man things like how to shave, and uh, giving him advice on how to talk to girls. He also makes sure to enroll him at the school where the boy's summer love goes, Rydell High. Ah. Danny's advice to the boy proves disastrous from day one, with the boy's Zuko-esque behavior isolating him from the girl, as well as any friends he tries to make. Okay. So then, we go away from the boy for a second. Sandy and the family come to stay on Danny's property. He's, you know, hosting them very amicably, but the son, things are really tense. The son doesn't like him. Here there's a, there's a scene where Sandy goes to look at the rickety old crop duster plane that Danny has been fixing up for years now. She makes fun of him for it, as well as for his hairpiece, but he sings a song trying to convince her about how amazing it's going to be one day called Sky Splitter. <laughs> uh, so things start to turn around with the family. Danny and Sandy start to reconnect, but then the boy's mother arrives at the property looking for her son who has run away from home. The whole thing blows up in Danny's face with his son from Sandy's marriage blowing up at him about the affair and Sandy having trouble processing that Danny never told her about this son that he's always known about. Uh, ultimately, he is left alone to sing a song called Sins of the Father. Uh, <laughs> This sequence features him ripping out his hairpiece and shaving his head completely bald. Ah, wow. Shaving cream. Yeah. Big Danny, character stuff right there. Yeah. And for Travolta and Danny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah. Okay, so then I'm almost done. I, not too much longer, guys. Danny uses <laughs> Sky Splitter to write out a message in the sky telling his son to come home. The plane doesn't survive the trip. Like, it's like out it, it cannot be used after he's used it but the plan works uh he and danny have a heart to heart where danny confesses that he shouldn't be listened to because he's never gotten anything right the boy goes back to school correcting his approach with a killer song and everything thing seems like it's going to be just fine there some amount of time later sandy comes to see danny who's in the hospital going through chemotherapy they sing a very mature adult type of love song together uh, eventually, the rest of the family comes to see him, and everything is kind of patched up. Sandy stays with Danny at his bedside all the way until his tragic death. What? Oh, jeez. Whoa. Year, years later, we see their son, his family, and Danny's second family, which now includes the camp girl as the boy's wife, all attending Sandy's funeral together. Oh, God. Uh, wow. Then Couldn't birthday? Then in heaven. <laughs> Sandy finds Danny <laughs> for her, along with the dream version of Sky Splitter, and the two fly away together. Aww. And, uh, okay. That's okay. sad now. I mean, I definitely see the connection at the, the end of the movie to the Grease end of them flying away in the car. <laughs> I, I, I get that, uh, that mirroring, and I do appreciate that part. That's the perfect segue for me. I love it. Also, that ending is a reference to the line from the song Sandy of In heaven forever. <laughs> I, I love that you think Danny Zuko would go to heaven. <laughs> he's, he's changed a lot, okay? He's done some He's making him right. Yeah. Yeah, but we don't know how many people he, like, killed in, like, winning drag races or, like, stabbed somebody with a switchblade, like, at a phone booth somewhere. No, Danny's a nice no. boy. He's he's all tough. 
Cole, what I like about I'm gonna do the same. your pitch is that your sequel to Greece is Rocky Balboa. And Aww. I just love that you <laughs> yeah. like, just turn it up that hard. You're like, no, 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 you already have Greece. This is something else. We're exploring stuff. Yeah. It's an epilogue, essentially, but it's like that same track. Uh, I think it's going to challenge a lot of people, though, because a tonal shift that hard is, uh, it's always... Well, that's why I tried to put in the peppy song. Yeah. But yeah, the songs would, of course, be a key element. I, I think it is implied in every of the pitches that the songs would have to be top-notch, because yeah. if the songs are terrible, then the movie None doesn't works. exist. Oh, and another reason yeah, I, I gotta... I keep my pitches on the shorter side is because Paul always does so much work, as you can see. The detail. Um, I mean, but I don't, I don't, I don't think that that helps me. Like, uh, as much as you might like Grease, it's a bit of a slog to have to listen to all that, all those details. Yeah. I think our, the the best pitch is probably in the middle of our pitches. You know, I do get excited when you have something you're really hot about. Yeah, because I know that that means you'll go on a little bit longer. But yeah, hard with Grease. Anyway, all right, Tony, let's bring the house down. You uh, chariot, my lady. Okay, so uh, we all remember how Greece ended. Yes. Correct. Yeah. They, they fly, fly off, off the in the car together. Yes. So uh, my sequel is a sequel to Greece, uh, but at the beginning of the movie, we get to see the real ending of Greece, which is they're singing, uh, we'll always be together, doing the hand drive through the fair, and some lug nut from this traveling circus whips off of a ride and nails Sandy in the head. Oh! So the ending was just her seeing them fly up. Everybody else is freaking out. She's rushed to the hospital. She's in a coma. Holy crap. Cut to... Coma, okay, not so bad. Roughly 18 weeks later, Sandy wakes up in the hospital. The hospital is alone. (laughs) The the hospital... I'm sorry, she's alone in the hospital. The hospital is empty. Uh, there's the smears of blood on the wall. There are dead bodies. She no. doesn't know what's going on. Um, also, okay, and so for the tone here that we're going for is Shaun of the Dead and Rocky Horror. Ooh. Uh, so Sandy no. goes from the empty hospital to her house, and in her house she finds the pink ladies chowing down on the remains of her parents. Yes. Wow. Wow. Uh, she flees. She's terrified. She's just wearing a hospital gown, no shoes, nothing. And she is saved by a mysterious figure on a motorcycle, wearing leather, with an eye patch, smoking a cigar, and then gets off the bike and pans up to the machete, and it's Rizzo, and she is just the fucking slayer. Comes in there and hacks the pink ladies to death with the machete. Tells her, come with me if you want to live. Get on the bike. They go back to her garage. In the garage, we see she's working on turning grease lightning into more of like the thunder tank. Oh boy. Sick. Oh boy. And she's cleaning the guts out of the undercarriage or, but yeah, she, she's repairing the, the apocalypse vehicle in there. Uh, and then they have a chance to talk about what happened. Uh, the other supporting character we have is that, so the two of them go back out from the garage. They're making runs. They're looking for supplies. They're looking for survivors. Uh, Sandy is freaked out. She's kind of trying to take it in stride. Uh, Rizzo won't tell her what happened to any of the gang. And that's because both the scorpions and the T-Birds are a roaming zombie biker gang. (laughs) Like, they team up to, like, look for people, but they're also still in conflict. So, like, they might fight each other. They might all come after you. Like, if you leave them alone, it's just zombie biker war. Uh, the, The only person they find to rescue is 
uh, a man in a disheveled white suit with like a messy pompadour and he's dirty and he's got blood on his white suit. And it is Frankie Avalon, the teen angel who mm. the radio station ran a contest to get him to come to their town because uh, of Sandy's injury. So he was coming like, uh, oh, so not a contest, but like uh, the radio station organized like a make a wish, like yeah. try to get the teen idol to come visit her. And then everything went down when he came to town. So they end up rescuing him. Basically, it seems like the only thing they can do is try to get out of town. So the struggle is trying to get out of this very landlocked area, get away from the zombie biker gang, make it to water, and get on a boat to go to Australia. <laughs> and I call it Grease 2, Dead and Loving It. Wow. This is going to be a hard um, one, man. I have one question. Is there a uh, scene in which Sandy has to face zombie Danny? Uh, I guess I kind of glossed over that. Like, the big conflict is escaping from the oh, zombie sure. biker gang, for which Zuko is in. Um, I didn't... I kind of feel like three people can't really take on a whole two zombie biker gang, so it's more of an escape. So, like, maybe there's the thing of, like, there's a chase scene, and he sees her, and he's coming after her, and it's like, the bikes come into the window, and she's like, ah! <laughs> but that's, I, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a deep oh. confrontation of her, like, putting the knife into his skull or something. He's Rizzo now. Okay. I thought maybe it was, uh, you know, it could be one of those, uh, I mean, I guess you're, you're working with hardcore zombie rules versus a world in which they could confront each other, and then Danny, like, goes, and doesn't yeah, I don't know. He's we're we're going for the level of zombie where like they still have the muscle memory to operate a motorcycle. Sure. And maybe he right. would see her and like growl, but also it's it's I feel like you did the Rizzo explanation of like no no they're gone. He's dead. They're not the okay. same. There's not yeah like all they want to do is eat you. That's you. I I just want to express how difficult it is to get me on board with any zombie movie pitch particularly like a cute, funny zombie movie pitch. I usually just shut down. I close all my windows and doors and it's really hard to get that pitch into me. You sold me very, very quickly on that. I'm very excited about <laughs> zombie. All right, Chris, it is down to you. Okay, so Grease 2 pitch. Okay, girls. Let's go get them. It follows Danny and Sandy after high school. Sandy goes off to the local college being the smart person she is. Danny follows her because he has nothing better to do with his life. Uh, and he gets a job at a local garage in whatever college, town, whatever state we choose. <laughs> uh, also, Kaneki comes along because he is also Danny Zuko's puppy. Uh, so those are the main characters that we follow. Um, there's a nice like college montage song where we see Danny and Sandy kind of struggling a little. Um, Danny definitely has his like new garage friends. And so like there's definitely going to be like a song about him and Kaniki integrating into like the Garage Boys gang. And then the Grease Monkey. Yeah, Grease Monkeys, absolutely. Uh, and then, you know, there's going to be a song of Sandy on the college campus with, like, all of her college friends. And by, by the end of the montage song, Sandy and Dandy work out their differences and, you know, they're still in love and still together. And then at that point, we have a time jump to like 20 years later they're still Ooh. married they've got like three kids 
and they absolutely hate each other. Uh, Fanny is still working at a garage, uh, uh, but Sandy is now this, like, fancy professional woman. You know, maybe she's a publishing executive or, like, in the music industry, something very working girl-ish, because this would be in the 80s time-wise. So, you know, we're talking like 1985. Uh, so she's like very professional Uber woman. She's doing lots of coke. Um, their relationship has broken down and uh, she thinks Danny is cheating on her. So she starts an affair with Kaniki. Ooh. Yeah. So the whole, this whole theme of this movie is essentially that like, they switch roles and, you know, because they have grown as people over the last 20 years. Um, so she is the bad boy, if you will, of the couple. And Danny is become such a broken man uh, that he is essentially the, the weakling that she was at the beginning of Grease 1. Nice. Interesting. Um, that's, I mean, that's the essential pitch for the sequel. Oh, and the, the title is Greasier. Greasier. <laughs> Greasier. That's so uh, Because she has become a greasier person than he ever was, you know? Well, and he's literally more often covered in grease. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Um, that also All right, works. so then, is your three called Greasiest? <laughs> No, um, my my Grease 3, and I will get to the title after I talk about it, because it'll make more sense then. Um, so my G Grease 3 uh, is a new cast, kind of. So in this universe, Grease 2 exists. So the last thing that we saw was Stephanie and Michael's story. Unlike my Grease 2 pitch, they break up and go separate ways. Um, they each have their own families, and the the main two lovebirds of this sequel are their children. So Stephanie has a daughter, Michael has a son, and they are now in high school. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or college, oh, or whatever. I thought you meant like Bugsy Malone. Yeah, that's what I thought too, like eight-year-olds. <laughs> No, yeah, no, no, no. They're, they're old enough to be the main characters. So the next generation. Um, sure. And the the big, huge, like, uh, culmination of the movie scene is going to be their wedding day uh, when Stephanie and Michael come together and they talk about their old relationship. And also because uh, Michael is related to Sandy, Sandy and Danny are also there. <gasps> so it's going to be a huge group reunion slash cameo of all of the cast doing one huge group number, three generations of love interests, all in one final song. Like the funeral scene in Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Yes. <laughs> or the funeral scene in uh, Paul's Grease Pitch Nightmare. <laughs> Grease Pitch Nightmare. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. So uh, my title for Grease 3 is Son of Grease. Yeah. Yeah. Which, the original title for Grease 2. Yes. yes. Oh, wow. There is. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut That's that great. off. That's great. No, um, you're fine. It was perfect. I thought that was perfect. Yeah. 
Apparently, Maxwell Caulfield really fought for them to keep that title because he thought Grease 2 was boring, but they didn't listen to him. Yep. I don't think Son of Grease makes any sense to Grease 2. It sure does. Yeah. A fun fact that kind of links to your Kinnicky Sandy affair in Greasier. Apparently, on set of Grease, Jeff Conaway was so smitten with Olivia Newton John that he became like tongue tied anytime he saw her. Eventually, he married her sister. Oh, Rana. Okay. That's weird. John. Interesting. Yeah. Speaking of Sean. When close enough is all that matters. <laughs> All right, well, let's try to zip through this voting process, uh, get this over with, and then we can do some unsung heroes. Our first on the table was Lauren's, uh, Summer Lovin'. I, yes. Oh, everybody. Okay, a unanimous <laughs> vote for Summer Lovin'. This, uh, this is the one. <laughs> okay. So then next we have Grease 3, Travis's pick. Three if you're nasty. Janelle Monet. <laughs> I would absolutely yeah. watch that. So that's everybody. Four out of five. Paul, notably, it's, listeners, it's everyone. Uh, and Paul. I explained. Uh, explain like, no, no, it's fine. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like your vote doesn't count on this one, Paul, because you don't know who Janelle Monae is. Oh, that's right. I, find- I mean, <laughs> it's also hard for me to, especially because I don't know who she is. It's hard for me to bridge the gap between why that's a Grease sequel. Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. Like, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So sorry, Travis. No. I'm sure it's it sounds cool. It's you know funky. I'd like to know as Travis um, is scribbling wildly in a notebook right now. Uh, I hate Paul. I hate Paul. <laughs> I hate Paul. Okay. Uh, next, we move on to mine. I don't even want to see what happens here, but yeah, shaving cream. Shaving <laughs> cream. Oh, I I want to. Right. Um, hey. watch that. Do you know? Wait, I, I, I hate these characters. I don't want another movie with more of them. All right, Paul. That's totally fair. This sounds like an amazing experience. This you know, there, Paul. Yeah, uh, people love this Um. Anyways, moving on to Greece two, dead and loving it. Oh, yeah. Tony. Hell yeah! Nine thumbs right. up. Ooh, four out of five. Once again, four <laughs> out of five. You didn't give me my love story, Tony. That's oh. why you didn't get my vote. Love is dead. Didn't you see? <laughs> yeah. Did you hear how he described Rizzo? Rizzo. Come on. I, well, I know I, I set him up to give me a love story and he would have had my vote, but mm. I didn't, I didn't hear one. Um, anyways, uh, and then we move on to Greasier. We'll do Greasier. Out. So two, two votes. Chris didn't vote for her own? I did vote for my oh, own. I, see, I can't see your hand. Okay. Okay. Got it. Boop. Okay. Okay. So three for Greasier and then Son of Grease. Yeah, Son of Grease. I love that too. All right, we got a unanimous. So there is a tie between Summer Lovin' and Son of Grease, and I will allow two winners here because there's a prequel and a sequel. Oh, okay. This is the biggest thrill of my life. I mean, if unless anybody <laughs> really wants to get into <laughs> why that's not fair. Yeah, no, I, um, I think that works. Wow. Yeah. I also, no, Krista, go to hell. I think we should just have Chris mm-hmm. on every episode. Just sort of like, you know, our Howard Stern Robin. Like, she's just there to, like, <laughs> put it all together. Yeah. And Tony. No, I, I don't He's got your nips. <laughs> I think uh, I, I realized the moment about uh, 10 minutes ago where I got uninvited forever when I called Paul's pitch Grease Funeral Nightmare. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Okay, so let's do a real quick unsung heroes and then, and then we'll wrap it okay. up. Hit it, Paul Jr. Unsung Heroes! 
uh, Tony and Chris Unsung Heroes is where we bring up characters or actors in the movie. Oh my God, that Sid he, Caesar is the gym coach. <laughs> okay, sure. I, he, he would, I would say be a sung hero because he is a major role. This is more like um, oh, bit parts that really. Exactly. Okay, cool. I'll give an example with, with 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 my example. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to crap on that because I agree with you. I, Sid Caesar, you could call him more of an unsung hero of Greece too, because from what I saw, they had him for two days tops. Yeah, I'm sorry. I and, thought we were talking about Greece too. We're talking about both. Oh, we're talking okay, about okay, either. Okay. So yes, he is an unsung hero in Greece too, even though. He doesn't get to do anything. Yeah, exactly. He, but he's there. He's, he's on your set. Come on. He legitimizes the movie a little bit more. Yeah. For sure. My heroes are are the extras. I mean, and, and I'm going to get more specific, but the extras in Greece are insanely awesome in general. Mm -hmm. Like watching them do their stuff behind behind the real stuff. Two in particular... One is a guy who in the We Go Together sequence at the end is like leading the pack of extras doing a dance and he does like a duck dance. I guess it's more like a Charlie Chaplin dance. That's, that's, yeah. like, I'm going to jump in if I can, Paul. That was going to be mine too. Yeah. That specific extra for that specific <laughs> yeah was so at a hundred percent. Yeah, he popped. My other one was just a moment that came out of nowhere that delighted the hell out of me, which is at the dance sequence, there's a guy who trips and falls during the dance contest, and then his girlfriend immediately starts beating the shit out of him. <laughs> like, and her performance is like, you believe that the camera, she doesn't know the camera's on, and she's just like mad at that guy. <laughs> oh, I loved it so much. Really. I kind of have one. I, I wouldn't know how to identify him really but in Greece lightning there's like a group of three three guys to the side as they're singing and the one standing up he's just like sort of standing there just like giving them like the oh. biggest like what the fuck face just like the audacity and he he um he stuck out to me I, I liked him I did notice that moment this time of them dancing and there being a group of people they're not into yeah. it which I thought was fun for music yeah okay so then Jumping into Greece 2, I have two for that. One is the guy who right at the end of Back to School again, very quickly runs up and dives through oh, yeah. the school. Yes, I love that guy. And then my other one for Greece 2 is when Stephanie takes off from her garage job uh, with Michael on the motorcycle. Street maps. There's a, there's, you're right. And like, you know, everybody's yelling at her. Uh, all the customers are being... Unreasonable. Uh, uh, yes. And then she leaves, but then a mechanic comes out from the garage and says, Hey, Steph, where are you going? And everything about him, the way he looks, the way he delivers the line, I just felt like I immediately knew who that guy was. Holding that he was a, a really word. nice guy. Yeah. Like, and he's just like, he's not even so mad as he is like, Oh, I'm, I'm gonna have to work even harder now. Like I, I that moment sold for me better than it needed yeah, to. Yeah, so. he was good. That's a good one. Um, I guess mine for Greece too. I was gonna point out he's not really an unsung hero. It's just one of the extras coming down the stairs at the end of one of the movies. And I know that no one in the movie really looks that much like they're in high school. And I'm not trying to bully anybody. But this guy had like 
like a 401k and grandkids. He had gray hair. I remember. But they put like a sweater and glasses on him and he was kind of going like, oh, I'm late to class. But I'm like, you, sir, are late to teaching class. I did notice him. I was like, hello, father. But for real, uh, during reproduction there, one of the extras on the right-hand side, she's supposed to be like the nerdy girl, I guess. She has Laura Ingalls' pigtails and glasses on. Oh, she's in the movie a lot. Yeah, she's, she's, okay, she's yeah. prominent. Yeah, she's yeah. just really, really into into uh, what's going on in the scene, like all the extras are. Um, but I, I just enjoyed what she was doing. Yeah. Her uh, miming of pollen to yeah. is yes. the most choreographed <laughs> thing in that song. Um, I'd say yeah. I, I maybe he's I feel like he's borderline, but I like I like Mr. Spears. That poor man, <laughs> I fell for him, like just like trying to just drink his calming his his like his tonics, his tonics and his um medicine to like calm the fuck down, and then something else awful happens. I don't know. He stuck out. Yeah, I was on board for that initial gag. I feel they abused I it. I think they were it felt oh, like a very Kentucky fried movie kind of runner they were going yes. for. I want to add mine. It's, so it's the same character yeah. for do- both movies. Fucking Blanche. Blanche is amazing. Oh, oh yeah, Blanche. Yeah, yeah. She, she has so many little funny moments uh, for being such a small character. Yeah. She's the principal? No, she's the principal's assistant. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, Blanche, stop blubbering. Oh, oh Blanche. So eager. I also, I, the, the waitress in the first Grease is someone who I didn't remember. The waitress who, like, talks to Frenchie yeah. at, before the mm-hmm. about scene, and then later you see her watching the TV and be like, there's Danny, there's Sandy. Like, she just seemed like a great person. <laughs> so, I, like, elevated that part of the movie you for You want me good things for her. Better things that she's had her whole life is what I <laughs> would feel. Like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, 59, you know. Eesh. And on that note, uh, let's move into plugs. Anybody got anything they want to plug? No, man, it's quarantine. I'm just sad all the time. Oh, yeah. Mm, nothing to plug. I, mean, I bought some extension cords. Guess just, yeah, love yourselves, love each other. I don't know. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, Bye, y'all. Listener. <laughs>